message entitled Christ's Glorious Orchestra, part 40 of the series A Righteousness from God, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 8th of March, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. All right. Morning, everybody. For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. Thanks for joining us. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. (laughs) Hard to break habits. A couple of quick announcements. If you are a guest, we would love to meet you afterwards today in our Welcome Center. If you have the time to come on in, we have refreshments there, and uh, it's just out those, these doors and to your right. It's, uh, there'll be, I'll be back there and some folks from the church, and if you have questions about the church or just would want to come back and meet us, that would be great. Uh, we also have information about the church. We have a, a, actually a class starting this week, and uh, the first one's going to be in my home this Wednesday night called Saving Grace 101, which is just a basic uh, class about what our church is all about. And we'd love to invite anybody who wants to come to that to come. And you can get a card in the Welcome Center and sign up and um, come to that class Wednesday night. This Saturday, March 14th, is that this Saturday? There is a women's breakfast. Women's breakfast. Ladies, that will be this Saturday, free breakfast and fellowship. Jeannie Santoro will be sharing her testimony of God's faithfulness to her and her family. So friends, neighbors, co-workers are invited to attend. Please just invite anybody you know. And if there's any way that you can help out with the breakfast, uh, please sign up on the volunteer form in the Welcome Center or contact Chris Baum. And finally, we're going to be having a water baptism during our service on Sunday, March 29th. So if you are a believer in Jesus, if you believed in Him but have not been water baptized, call the church office, email us, and sign up for that. So today's message is from Romans chapter 12. So please turn to Romans 12. And the title of today's message is Christ's Glorious Orchestra. Christ's Glorious Orchestra. We'll be looking at verses 15 and 16 of Romans chapter 12. So let's read those together. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Lord, never, or never be conceited. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Or never be wise in your own sight. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that the God who created the galaxies speaks to us. That You speak to us through Your Word, Lord. 
We thank You, Lord, that You want Your Word to have an effect in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that You would speak to us by Your Word, by Your Spirit, and You would help us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Lord, help us to take this Word today and put it into practice in our lives. We just ask for Your help and we thank You, Lord, that You desire to speak to us even more than we desire to hear Your voice. And we just ask... In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, a full-scale orchestra playing a symphony involves or includes at least 90 musicians. Think about it. 90 individual instruments playing together to produce one beautiful symphony. Now, Jesus did not create us to live independent, isolated lives. And neither did He save us to live independent, isolated lives. He created us as humans and He created us especially as believers for fellowship. We're not supposed to live this life by ourselves. It's to be lived out with brothers and sisters. Remember the movie Castaway? Some of you may remember it. Made in 2000, starring Tom Hanks. It was about a FedEx employee named Chuck who gets stranded on an uninhabited island after his plane crashes in the South Pacific. And he survives for four years by himself on the island. And he winds up salvaging objects from a number of packages that are in a plane and they, they wash ashore, and one of the objects is a Wilson Sporting Goods volleyball. And in one place in the movie, Chuck has a wound in his hand, and he makes a bloody handprint on the ball, and later he draws a face in the ball. And that's the face that he draws on the volleyball, and he winds up naming the volleyball Wilson, and he starts talking to Wilson throughout the whole movie. Because we are just not created to be by ourselves and alone. And so he, he is so desperate for somebody to talk to, he's talking to this, this volleyball, Wilson. He said, hey, Wilson, remember this? And then in one scene, this tragic scene in the movie, he's on a raft and he's trying to get off the island on a raft. And a storm hits the raft and Wilson falls into the ocean. Now, by this time, Wilson has grown hair. A a plant sprouts out of it. So Wilson has his hair, and he's floating in the ocean away from Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks is swimming out, uh, trying to get to Wilson. And Wilson's drifting away. And finally, Wilson just drifts away. And Tom Hanks is going, Wilson! 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 I'm so sorry, Wilson! It's just a sad scene in the movie. really touches your heart. But we are created to live together in fellowship with one another. And so Romans 12.5 says, So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We have a, a stake in each other's lives. We're individually members one of another. So we... Celebrate and we sympathize with one another. 
We rejoice with those who rejoice. We celebrate. We weep with those who weep. We sympathize. And we harmonize. We harmonize. We are to live in harmony. Not thinking that we are better than others or wiser than others. Celebrate. Sympathize. Harmonize. That's what we're going to look about at this morning. So first of all, celebrate and sympathize. We're going to look at celebrate. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. The Greek word for rejoice is directly related to the Greek word for grace. Rejoice To rejoice means glad for grace. Glad for grace. Or to delight in God's grace. Or to experience God's grace. God's grace is His unmerited, undeserved, lavish kindness. So to rejoice with those who rejoice means we are glad when we see God's grace in others' lives. We are glad for the unmerited, undeserved blessings that God pours out on others. There's no room for envy or jealousy when we see others blessed. You know, God has poured out lavish, incredible grace on each and every one of us who have believed in Jesus in saving us and adopting us as God's own children and making us joint heirs with Christ. It's, it, it, says, it says in the book of John, from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. John 1.16, from His fullness... From His fullness, from God's lavish fullness, we have all received, it says, grace upon grace, like wave after wave of the ocean of God's grace just pouring upon our lives. So why would we be jealous of others when God pours out His grace? You know, the poorest Christian in this world has more wealth and more spiritual riches than Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. We are rich. I'm talking to a a room full of rich, 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 rich people. Rich in God's grace. But what a temptation it is. And I have fallen, I've fallen into this at times. You know, when God blesses one of our brothers or sisters in some way, Instead of rejoicing in God's grace upon them, we, we think this. I thought this. Wow, that, that's great. How come I didn't get it? <laughs> Isn't that right? Isn't that, I mean, maybe you're not like me. It's, it's, but I, I, sometimes I have to remind myself, no, wait a minute. I need to rejoice when God pours out His grace upon others. We need to also mourn with those who mourn. Or weep with weeping ones is another way of translating it. Mourn with those who mourn. We are to have sympathy for one another in our suffering. The the, the Bible says if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. If I stub my toe and it's just excruciating pain, my fingers don't say, 
Oh, that's too bad. That's none of my concern. That's the toe. No, my, my whole body goes to the toe's rescue. It's like, oh, 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 oh. You know, my whole body is caring about that little toe. You know, mourn with those who mourn. We're to bear one another's burdens. Have compassion on one another. And that, that is not always natural. It says in Colossians, I believe, put on compassion. We have to say, Lord, help me to be compassionate. You know, I don't know what it is about human beings. I've done this myself. So often when believers go through tragedies or painful circumstances, why is it the first thing we do so often is we feel like we need to give them advice? We always just feel like, I've got to tell you how to get through this. Somebody's suffering from some physical thing, First thing I do is, oh, have you tried this? Oh, here's a website here that talks about this. Rather than mourning with those who mourn. Sadly, I've done this at times. I've, I've told them why they shouldn't be so sad or tried to help them see you know, what good could come out of this tragedy way, 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 way too soon before, just before mourning with those who mourn. Just be better to weep with those who weep. It says weep with those who weep. It doesn't say give advice to those who weep. (laughs) There could be a time where we want to encourage someone, but I know I have been too quick at times. Job 2.13 Job, going through horrible afflictions, lost his children, lost his property, lost his whole estate, just afflicted with sores, covered with affliction, tragedy. His friends came to see him. And the first thing they did was write. Job 2.13 says, They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. And then after seven days, Job in chapter four or chapter three, he just he just lets this torrent of sadness go where he's just mourning the day of his birth. He's just wishing he'd never even been born. And then sadly, in chapter four, his friend Eliphaz begins to speak. And he says, Remember, he says, Job, who that was innocent ever perished? Or where were the upright cut off? As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble repeat the same. So what what Eliphaz is saying is, he's saying, Job, Job, you must have sinned, buddy. There must be some kind of sin somewhere. Don't you know? Suffering's a result of sin. Why are you mourning your day's birth? You probably brought this on yourself. Oh, that is not the way to do it. So often, we, we, someone is mourning and we'll say, well, you know what, if you had more faith, maybe this wouldn't happen. Or if you, if you hadn't, there must be some... Or we maybe don't say it, but maybe we think it. There must be some sin in their life somewhere. No, weep with those who weep. You don't have to always have something to say. 
I mean, isn't that the way you feel when you when you go to a funeral or you go to a visitation? You feel like I I got to have something to say. You don't. You can just weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When God pours out His grace in someone's life, let's rejoice. It's not like you don't have a ton of grace. (laughs) And let's weep with those who weep. The next thing that Paul urges us, God urges us in His words to harmonize. So it says, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited or never be wise in your own sight. Now the new ASB, NASB, New American Standard, it says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. See, the translation of the New American Standard is a little more accurate because the Greek word for mind is used twice. It means the same thing. It means live in harmony. But it's saying be of the same mind toward one another. Be of the same mind. Don't be haughty in mind. And, and Paul uses the same word in Philippians 2.2. 2. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, think the same about each and every person. In other words, don't be haughty in mind, he says, but associate with the lowly. He means think of one another as all equally valuable in God's sight. We are to have the same mind toward everyone. We want to think of everyone as equally valuable in Christ. As equally the same worth in Christ. There's no one in Christ who is worth more. We're all valuable to Jesus. We're all purchased by the blood of Jesus. In other words, don't look at one person and say, oh, he's on the same plane with me. And then look at somebody else and think, oh, I'm better than him. You know the comedian Brian Regan? He talks about the always having to top somebody. Somebody tells a story and the next guy comes in and goes, oh, that's nothing. You had two wisdom teeth pulled. I had four wisdom teeth pulled. Not you, me! Not you, me! Me! You! Me! You! That's just a human thing we do. We have this tendency to... We we think we're better than other people. We, we, We rate each other. We rate ourselves. We look at others. And Paul says, no, we are to have the same mind towards everyone. Every brother and sister in Jesus is equally valuable. The word do not be haughty can be translated high-minded. Don't be high-minded toward each other. Instead of having the same mind, you think you're higher than others. We're not to be high-minded. We are to associate with all believers, even those who in this world are lowly. 
God's Word says associate with the lowly. Some of the different Bible translations do it this way. They translate associate with the lowly in these ways. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Be willing to associate with people of low position. But enjoy the company of ordinary folks. It's a living Bible. Enjoy the company of ordinary folks. King James Version, but condescend to men of low estate. New King James, associate with those who are humble. New English Bible, but go about with humble folk. (laughs) I'd say overall, we're pretty much humble folk here. But accept humble duties. But make friends. This is, look at this. Make friends with those who seem unimportant. If you come in here on a Sunday morning, would there be some people that in your mind you'd say, oh, they're unimportant. It doesn't, I, I don't really want to talk to them. Make friends with people, those who seem unimportant. Mix with humble people. I like this one from the message. Make friends with nobodies. Make friends with nobodies. I think we get the idea. William Barclay said this, The Christian church was the only place where master and slave sat side by side. The Christian church is still the place where all earthly distinctions are gone, for with God there is no respect of persons. See, God doesn't look down and say, oh, that person's better than that person. This person's smarter than this person. I like this person better. No, God is no respecter of persons and we shouldn't be either. The Christian church was the only place where master and slave sat side by side. A few months ago, someone questioned me about our church. This person was not a Christian. And they were surprised when they found out I was a pastor, which I was glad about. I don't like it if if I say, guess what I do when people say, you're a pastor. I I don't like that. I don't want people to guess that. This person didn't know I was a pastor. And then when they found out, they were sort of surprised. And they said, well, would your church welcome anyone? And I said, yes, yes, we want all kinds of people to come. And they said, well, how how about a homeless person? Would you welcome a homeless person? I said, yes, definitely. We would welcome anyone. That's That's the way I would want this church to be. We would welcome anyone who came in, no matter what state of life they were in, no matter what they were dressed like, no matter how dirty they were or whatever. We would welcome, associate with the lowly because every, first of all, every human being is valuable to Jesus. He created every human being in His own image. We, we should not look down on any human being. We've got to be careful not to be haughty in mind. Oh, it's so easy 
And I've done it. It's so easy to look down on others and not want to associate with them. That, you know, that person is not really in my class, my social class, or they don't dress nice, or I don't like that guy's hair. What's with that Leland Bennett? <laughs> Just kidding, Leland. I can say that because I had long hair at one time. And one time, you, and, and, and later in your life, you will look like this. <laughs> we, can, we can say, oh, they're dirty. Say, that, that person isn't clean, or they're dirty, or they use poor English. Or, or oh, they, they homeschool, they're weird. Or, oh, they send their kids to public school. Or, uh, they don't vaccinate. Or, oh, they do vaccinate. Or they're uneducated. Or you might say, you know that pastor in the church, Bob Mundorf? He eats rattlesnakes. Or you might say, you know that pastor Mark who was an art major and in a rock band? He couldn't gut a deer if his life depended on it. <laughs> See, that's, that's the way we think in this world. We, we, just all the time, we think like that. We're constantly judging people. When, when I was in high school, there was a place on Philadelphia Street on the second floor, kind of above the one-hour downtown dry cleaners, if you know where that is, and it was called Teenage. And they had dances every week, and t- the kids from the high school would go up there, and they often had live bands. And I was in a rock band in high school. We were called the Signets. And... Um, there was a rival band called the Gravitations. Actually, that's a much better name. Um, but when the Gravitations would play, we would go up there and we'd stand off to the side, you know, watching the Gravitations, judging them. You know, and they'd be playing, and it, of course it would be really loud. So I'd, I'd go, I'd say to the guy in my band, That was the wrong chord! Played an A minor. That's wrong. Yeah, they're not doing it right, are they? Look how that guy's standing. The other guy, yeah, and they're doing it too slow. You know, I just criticized everything I could about them. And then, and then when we'd be playing, we're playing up in teenage, and there they are off to the side, and I know they're doing the same thing. I'm thinking, go ahead, we're better than you. Well, Jesus didn't think like that. Jesus was not high-minded. He was not haughty. He was God. And yet He emptied Himself and became a human being to come and save us and rescue us from our sins. And He associated with the lowly of His day. He associated with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. They were despised. Tax collectors were despised because they ripped people off. And they stole from people. And people couldn't believe it. They they said He eats. He actually eats with tax collectors and sinners. Well, we're to imitate Jesus. We are to have His mindset. We're to see every human being as valuable to God. And especially every believer. You know that the Bible says that every believer in Jesus 
is the apple of God's eye. Every believer is His treasured possession. That God, re- God rejoices over every one of His children with shouting. So next time you're tempted to look down on someone, next time you're tempted to not want to talk to someone or be with someone or be annoyed at someone or just want to get away from someone, try to remind yourself how valuable this person is to Jesus. And if we do this, it will result in us living in harmony with one another, which is what the ESV says. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Harmony. Harmony in music is caused by taking two or three or four or more different notes, completely different notes, playing them at the same time to make a more beautiful sound than just an individual note. Or it's when two or three or more people all with different voices singing together creates a sound completely different than a single voice. So, Greg King, can you come on up? I want Greg to come on up. Greg? Greg is going to help me demonstrate harmony for you. First, first, Greg, if you could um, play one note. If didn't you, is that real, is that loud enough? Okay, play play it a few times. One note a few times. Okay, that's that's. Not bad. That's a nice sound. Now, how about like two notes? Now, yeah. Isn't that much more interesting than just one note? All right, now, now how about like a, several notes together? Chopsticks would be good. Now add more. Isn't that much better than just one note? Yeah, great, man. That's great. <laughs> now, now, uh, how about uh, what was the song that you were? What's that? In Christ Alone. Yeah, play, play it just with one note. In Christ Alone. And that, then that's pretty, that's a nice melody, that's one voice. But let's hear it now with harmony and multiple. Isn't that great? Isn't that really cool? Great job, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Greg King. Thank you, Greg. See, when, when there... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Get back up here. <laughs> See, when there, is, when there is harmony, isn't that beautiful? I mean, when God sees us living in harmony, it is pleasing to Him. Just like hearing those songs played in harmony is pleasing. Now... Uh, disharmony or dissonance. Let's try that, Greg. Can you play me a, uh, a little bit, of, a couple notes that are dissonant. 
Isn't that a pleasing sound? It's sort of like psycho or something. Play, play, can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, dissonance is not fun. You know, when we're having conflict, when we're looking down on one another, when we don't associate with the lowly, it's like God's like, oh, that's a, I can't stand that sound. Now, now play uh, like on a piano in Christ alone with dissonance. Here's what God hears when we're worshiping Him on Sunday and we have conflicts and we look down on one another and that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Thank you, Craig. Live in harmony with one another. Think of, think of an orchestra. You know, all these different instruments, 90 different instruments from violins to bassoons to tubas to flutes to timpani drums. Imagine Zach Collins, our own Zach Collins, who's a tuba professor at IUP. Imagine Zach, if he's in the orchestra and he thinks, you know what? The tuba is superior. I'm superior to these sissy violinists. You know, I know he doesn't think that, but imagine if the orchestra's playing and he says, I should have all the, all the solos, all the solos. And he starts tubing away. It'd just be chaos. But when an orchestra plays in harmony, you get a symphony. And Psalm, Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers are not high-minded and haughty and when they associate with the lowly and when they welcome anyone into the church. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When we dwell together in unity, it's good and it's pleasant in God's sight and it's pleasant to us. And the oil that they anointed the head of the high priest with was oil that was mixed. It was an oil mixed with four of the best spices so that it would be fragrant and refreshing and delightful. And the oil represented the Holy Spirit and His abundant graces. And when, when we dwell together in unity, the Holy Spirit comes down upon us and just fills us with His grace and power and produces good fruit. And then he says, never be wise in your own sight. And this, this is the end of this whole section about harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Or never be conceited. Nothing destroys harmony like people who are wise in their own sight. A husband who is wise in his own sight won't listen to his wife. Wives, too. You, too. 
if you are wise in your own sight, if you're conceited, if you're arrogant, you won't listen to your husband. Teenagers who are wise in their own sight won't listen to their parents. There won't be harmony in a home. If any, if people, if we are in our families, if someone is wise in their own sight, there's not going to be harmony there. Same in the church. Be careful not to be wise in your own sight. Oh, when I occasionally watch certain political talk shows, I see a lot of people who are wise in their own sight. They, they won't let anybody say what they want to say without interrupting, without talking over them. Yeah, but you know this, 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 and this. This is a real solution to the problem. And all you people on this side, you know, I just, I just say, how can there, no wonder we have such, so much strife and lack of unity in our government. Because we have so many people who are wise in their own sight. Same would happen in the church. Be careful. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And a fool in Proverbs is a wicked sinner. So it says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a wicked sinner than him. Do you listen to people? Do you receive correction? Do you ever think, well, I could be wrong? Or do you always think, I'm right here? You know, when someone disagrees with me or brings correction to me or states a difference of opinion, my first thought a lot of the time is, that's wrong. <laughs> Why are they telling me this? this? That is completely wrong. And I have had over the years, I've had to fight. I've had to fight to, and, and I remind myself regularly of that Proverb, you see a man who is wise in his own eyes. There's more hope for a fool than for him. I, I just have to fight it and say, be careful, Mark. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Be, be careful. Listen to this person. Be, slow to, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. And it's a fight because I think our natural human inclination is to think, I'm right. think that at times in my family. I think that at times when Christy's talking to me. My first inclination is to think, no, 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 you don't see it. No. And I just have to fight that, not being wise in my own eyes. And if we're wise in our own eyes, if we're conceited, if we think we're always right, there will not be harmony. We need to just have this mentality of like, I could, I might not be seeing things here quite accurately. I might not quite have a perfect perception this whole situation. Maybe, maybe I need to hear this. 
Somebody said something to me years ago that's been very helpful. Even They said even in the most uh, outrageous criticism, there's almost always something true there that you can find, you can learn from. So, we are not castaways living isolated lives on our own little islands. We are not the tuba that's the star of the show all the time. We are created for fellowship. We belong to each other. We are members one of another. We're to function as a glorious orchestra as we celebrate God's grace in one another's lives. As we sympathize and weep with those who weep. And as we harmonize with each other. As we associate with the lowly. As we're not high-minded. As we're not wise in our own eyes. As we seek to have the same mind and view every single one as valuable in Jesus. And when we do this, then our, our lives and our worship are like when Greg played that beautiful version of In Christ Alone. It's, it's our church then is pleasing to God and brings pleasure to Him and joy to Him and blessing to us. So let's pray. Let's stand and pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank You that You are the ultimate example in all this, Jesus. You are the ultimate example of weeping with those who weep, of rejoicing in God's grace in our lives. You're the ultimate example of humility. Just help us to be like You, Jesus. Lord, thank You that You're going to help us. Lord, we just pray that our church could bring You much pleasure, much joy as we do these things. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name, Amen.